When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our week three college football on Fox Spaces with me, RJ Young and Jeff Schwartz brought to you by Wendy's. We're going to go through four of the biggest games of the weekend, starting with, well, one that is very near and dear to me, which Oklahoma, Nebraska. But first, Jeff, how was the Wendy's, brother? It was delicious. It was, you know, the, a little bit of bourbon on there, a little bacon, a little cheese, a little, all that. And, you know, to me... Anytime you add fried onions to something, it just kicks it up a notch. Just a little, just a little notch, a little crunch in there. I loved it, man. Bourbon, bacon, cheeseburger, folks, get on it. Uh, it's scrumptious. You know what else is scrumptious? Our big noon kickoff game. That would be our nooner. That is number six, Oklahoma at Nebraska. The rivalry is renewed. Your man's is fired up about it. He's wearing his Oklahoma letterman jacket for the show today jeff are you as fired up about this game as i am i am because i want to see nebraska with a new energy right like i think they have pieces there but clearly it was not working and it tells you that obviously when the results show that obviously but by the way good for clay helton okay I, clay helton is the nicest human of all time and you know he just wasn't right for usc i, I love i'm glad he got that win just i like clay helton put it like that um but Nebraska needed a new energy, man. They need they need a new voice in the room. They need something different. And they were willing to swallow the buyout, which I think was the right thing to do. They have plenty of money. That's not a problem for them. And so I think that we don't know what Nebraska is going to be this weekend, which makes this game even more exciting. We know what Oklahoma is going to be, right? They're going to try to push the ball on offense. They're going to they play better defense, I think, and they're getting it in that direction more than they maybe ever have been. But for Nebraska, right, like what are they going to be without Scott Frost, they could go in one in two directions, right? They could either fire themselves up, play over their skis, or maybe they're just not good. I mean, it's also possible that they get this burst in the first quarter and just return back to what they've been. So that to me is the most fascinating part of this game is, is what is Nebraska now without Scott Frost? I think it's a great observation. I'm curious as you are to see what Nebraska is. They elevated Mickey Joseph to head coach. He is the first black coach in Nebraska athletics history, full stop. Wow as he comes into this game, which is, I'm sure, one of the biggest games of his career as he played quarterback at Nebraska in the early 90s, not unlike his predecessor, Scott Frost, led them to the 1997 National Championship. But he also has made some changes. Like, he decided that, yeah, Mark Whipple's going to keep calling the plays. I'm going to be head coach. He elevated an offensive analyst to wide receiver coach, which is the position that he once held. And he has asked his defensive coordinator to become the safeties coach. And he's made their secondary coach, their quarterbacks coach. And one of the things that I really enjoy is he said, we're going to start hitting in practice. We're going to start tackling because that has been one of the real Achilles heels of this team. They just haven't been able to put people down on the ground. Now that said, as good as Nebraska might be, Oklahoma should not have a hard time with this no. team, which is why I'm so worried. Okay. <laughs> Look, gets kid state. Oklahoma didn't score until the last 18 seconds of the first half. Kent State, people. Now, on the one hand, they scored 33, and they won 33-2-3, which is the fewest amount of points that they've allowed to an FBS opponent in five years. 
But if you go up to Lincoln, Nebraska, and you don't immediately get on top of Nebraska, they're just going to hold the ball. Like, tell me what you think about this, Jeff. Oklahoma holds the ball 22 minutes and change a game. It's the second to the last in FBS because they go so fast. They also run 30 fewer plays. If you know that as a Nebraska head coach, why would you even want to do anything other than run the football and run the football with authority? Well, because you have to keep up with Oklahoma if they get into a situation where Oklahoma scores points, right? Like that is, you know, the, the plan, I think, when you play a lot of these teams, especially like USC right now, right? Like, yeah, I'd love to run the ball, take the air out of the game. Well, you know, eventually when USC scores 40 points, you got to score 40 points too. And so Nebraska can have this game plan all they want of slowing things down, of running the football, of pacing things out. But if you allow two touchdowns on Oklahoma's first two drives, you're down 14 nothing now, that pace is going to pick up a little bit, right? There's going to be a sense of urgency now because you're limiting your possessions and Oklahoma now is off to a very fast start. But RJ, look, to me, um, Oklahoma's defense, not surprisingly, is much better this season so far. I know it's Kent State. I know it's UTEP. But to me, that is so far been, I think, what people maybe expected. But it's a good sign. If your offense is kind of taking a little bit of time to figure things out, new OC, new quarterback, bunch of transfers, guys in and out both directions. But you can always rely on your defense being good, which is something in Oklahoma you haven't been able to do for many years now. It's a great observation in that – he basically had the same sort of pieces that were in place last year, and they seem to be a little bit more fundamentally sound and really able to just snap and run to the football. I'm still worried, though, because I just haven't seen them against a good team. Now, that said, you point out that how great they've been against UTEP and Kent State. I'll throw this at you. Oklahoma gave up 35 to Tulane last year in one game. Okay. Yeah. They, they've given up 16 points all season long, so I'm happy to hear that, but I'm, I would be shocked if the schooner does not cut through Nebraska like an international Agreed. harvester in a high-yield cornfield, all right? Like, it's just the way it's supposed to be. But I'm with you there. On top of that, I want to ask this. I know this rivalry means everything to me, and I have so many memories of what it was once like. Does this rivalry resonate with you as you're growing up in L.A.? Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. I grew up. I grew up a UCLA fan. I mean, it was UCLA-USC. Like, that was a rivalry. And even, you know, like SC-Notre Dame, right? Like, those were the rivalries that um, that I looked at, you know, Michigan-Ohio State. Um, I don't remember much, like, Big 12 in my family. Like, I mean, I'm sure we watched the games, uh, but I don't remember, like, any childhood memories of those games. I always liked, obviously, look, again, UCLA-USC, USC-Notre Dame. I just always liked watching games in November in the snow, being from Los Angeles, like never seen that. I played at one of those games in my 12 years of playing football. And so I just like, I love the big 10 in the snow. I mean, again, not the prettiest games, but it was so much fun to watch as a kid. Like I felt like that was real football in the snow outside. I don't have any memories of the big 12 other than, I, you know, um, uh, UCLA beat AM a couple times. They lost Oklahoma when I was a kid, I think, as well. They lost Oklahoma in um in the Rose Bowl. So a couple times we played them, but I, I don't remember the rivalry in my you know as being something that I know that you believe it, it is. Well, you're welcome for Troy Aikman because that was a gift from Oklahoma to UCLA. Correct. Right. Yes. Uh, and on top of that, there's lots of other great OU Nebraska memories that I could pull up, but I'm excited to see what this actually looks like on Saturday. I expect it to be a sold-out game. I expect it to be a great atmosphere. But I want to turn our attention to another 
important game on the schedule, a top 25 matchup on the schedule, and one in which I know yet you are personally invested. Yes. Number 12, Brigham Young at number 25, Oregon. How do you feel about Oregon going into this game, Jeff? Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, we did what we had to do at Eastern Washington. We scored the first nine possessions. So here's, here's the problem. Um, is that I'm going to steal a line from my buddy Dan Rubenstein, who covers football for the Solid Verbal, former Oregon Duck as well, good buddy of mine. He called the Oregon offense a pickleball offense, right? Where basically it's just kind of in this short little area and it works just fine. But when you expand it out, you see the issues. And that's my take so far on this team is like defensively, they were better against Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington can score guys. They scored the first team defense on seven points over three quarters. So I'll take that after obviously the Georgian. We tackle much better. It seemed like Dan Lanning was more personally involved in the defense than he was in game one. So I think they're making some changes there as far as defensively. But offensively, it, it, they just don't trust Bo Nix. It's very evident. Um, they, they they set him up for success sometimes, but on third downs, man, like they're running these, these mesh screens and like things I'm like, this is Washington. Can you work on something else? Like you're going to run that against Georgia, which they did. You're going to run against BYU. Like let's get the ball down the field. And the offense just seemed disjointed at times in the past. Again, we scored on the first nine possessions. It was, we scored points. So to me, like you play a BYU team that's very physical, that wants to get everything in the front seven. I think the passing game, we have better athletes on the edges to make plays in the passing game to move the ball if we can get that done with Bo Nix. And I just don't see the right now the faith that I have in Bo Nix to make that happen. Maybe the coaches do, and maybe they're quote saving things, which doesn't really happen in my opinion as much as we think. And so to me, it comes down to that. You know, BYU offensively, obviously, they they are kind of the same. You know, Bo does Oregon a little bit here, especially if they don't have their top two wide receivers. I don't know the status of those guys heading into this game. We know they scored twenty six points um, in overtime against Baylor. If they don't have those guys, they're kind of in the same boat as Oregon, right? Where they're kind of in this smaller, you know, trying to move the ball in chunks of five to seven yards. And so I think Oregon can defensively play that much better, obviously, than a team that, you know, is trying to do what uh, what, what Georgia did to them. So I'm – we we have better players? I, yeah, I, I don't I, I don't know, man. I, I just see – I just – I got to see more from Bo Nix to feel comfortable in Oregon's ability to win this game. I think everywhere else we're going to be fine. But can Bo Nix make those special throws? Because we know you can score – they have a little trouble last week without their two top receivers, uh, but it's a veteran team, and they're going to want this game. A lot of kids, you know, in the region that grew up Oregon fans that maybe wanted to go to Oregon that weren't able to, to, to do so. It's in Austin Stadium. B, BYU won all five of their games against Pac-12 teams last season, so they're going to be very confident heading into this game. I'm really interested to see what this game means uh, once it gets done, because if Oregon is able to knock off an undefeated BYU, I think that's going to speak well of not just Oregon, but of the Pac-12. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up that BYU went 5-0 and against yeah. Pac-12 opponents last year. But if they get this victory, if the Cougs are able to get this win on the road, what do you think stops them from being a team that contends for the college football playoff? Um, the bias that we have against group of five teams. I mean, like that, another independent um, and they'll be, you know, out of that situation fairly soon when they go to the big 12. I mean, you know how I feel about this situation. Like I would just take the four best sec teams. I don't, like, like, it's, fine, <laughs> like, it's fine with me um, uh, as a PAC 12 guy, but you know, their schedule, you know, they get Wyoming, Utah state. They're at Notre Dame. Excuse me. They host Notre Dame. That game is much different now. Right. Arkansas feels like a spot where Arkansas is going to be favored um, in that game. 
Um, but yeah, they, they don't have a schedule where there's a lot of losses, at least Pennsylvania right now, after Oregon. Utah State has not been as good as we as last year. Obviously, they just got waxed by by Weber State. Uh, obviously, the Irish. And they find the the Irish find an offense that makes that game more interesting. Arkansas, I think, is really good. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a couple places they might trip up, but if they beat Oregon, yeah, they're going to be uh, looked at as a as a fringe playoff team. I think that they are absolutely a playoff team. Looking at the schedule that they're playing, uh, you mentioned Arkansas, Oregon, Baylor. That's that's stout right on its face, and the Mountain West is nothing to sneeze. That's where they play a lot of their competition alongside those Pac-12 teams, staying within their region. I also think that they get to say, "Hey, we were as good as Cincinnati was in 2020 for the last two years." And if they're looking for a fourth team to get in there, far be it from me to say that Kalani Sataki and the BYU Cougars do not deserve an invitation to the college football playoff. The second top 25 game on the schedule this weekend, number 13 Miami travels to number 24 Texas A&M to play at Kyle Field. Is this a coffin nail game for A&M's college football playoffs hopes if they lose to Miami, Jeff? Yeah, but they're going to lose other games this season. Like It's not like it's not like a... I, you know, the thing about AM, like it's it's so surprising to me. Um, I was looking this up yesterday as we were talking about them on, on some of the shows I was doing. Do you know how many times they've won 10 games in like the last 25 years? I want to say it's like four, and they're mostly in the 90s, early 90s, uh, Southwest it's, Conference. It, it's like two in the last okay. 25 years. Like they okay. just they're this team that every year we get this hype of like they're so good, they recruit well, but okay, like. We got, I got to see more, especially offensively, right? Like, where's the production from the quarterback? Jimbo's supposed to be a quarterback guy. Where's the production from the quarterback? Where is that solidified? It's not like App State went in there and just, like, gimmicked their way. To, they kicked their ass. Like, App State kicked their ass in Kyle <laughs> Field. Um, and, guess, and look, guess what Mario's going to do in Miami? I watched this for four years now. He's trying to do the same exact thing. He's going to try to go in there and they're, you know, they they have some issues on their offensive line and, and whatnot. They're not as good as they were at Oregon right now. They're doing the same exact thing. They're going to run the football. They're going to try to beat them on the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I, I think that we're seeing so far in Miami and, you know, according to their fans as well, like kind of this at times boring ish offense, which is what happened at Oregon as well. Uh, but, you know, there's some wrinkles that Mario puts in the game um, every now and then, especially in a big game like this. This one's at AM, obviously. Um, AM has better players. Don't get me wrong. They certainly do. But Miami's going to come in there with the exact same game plan. They're going to try to run the football down their throat and play really stout defense. And um, in that type of game, I think Miami has an opportunity with the better quarterback, again, um, to get this done on the road. You were saying that you think, you know, uh, maybe you're being serious because we never actually hammered this part out, but about the four best teams playing for in the college football player for the national championship. The reason I frame that up is, do you think that this is a good referendum on the strength of the SEC versus the strength of the ACC when we're talking about Miami and Texas A&M, two teams that we don't expect to win the conference championship but aren't the worst teams in the conference either? Um, it's probably more of a good thing for the for the SEC if Miami were to win this, um, mm -hmm. excuse me, for, the, for the ACC, because you know they're supposed to be the first or second team essentially every year it hasn't been that way. Right. But ideally you'd want Clemson and Miami and I guess Florida state in that same respect to be kind of the big dogs in your conference. To me, the sec is fine. If A&M is not Kentucky's really good guys. They're really good. Right. Georgia, obviously Alabama seems not as good as previous years, but they won a game that most teams would lose. They won their stinker. Right. Um, Arkansas is a, a, a good football team. Mississippi state's a good football team. Like, there's plenty of teams in this conference and SEC, I should say, that are really good. They're upper echelon teams. 
ACC needs this win to kind of put Miami in that position. A of, okay, we hired the right coach, but I think they did anyways. But you feel better about that hire, obviously, with a win in this situation. You feel validated with the way your program is going. And um, again, I just, where's the offensive production from Jimbo? You're, again, you're an offensive guy, you're a quarterback guy. You got to get something going at AM. I'm fascinated to see whether Haynes King or Tyler Van Dyke win the pitcher's duel. I think most people would expect Tyler Van Dyke at this point, but I've seen Haynes King be outstanding at times. Just haven't seen it at all this year. Perhaps he raises his game against a top 25 opponent like Miami in a way that he didn't against Appalachian State. Last game on the schedule for you and I, number 22 Penn State at Auburn. First thing that jumped out for me is this is the first ever Big Ten team to play at Jordan Air stadium at all right which i thought was fascinating also you got penn state was able to knock off auburn last year you had some turmoil at auburn in the off season but hey man look auburn has won its last state 17 straight home games against non-conference opponents how do you think this one shapes up yeah uh, this is what's interesting um i wonder if if last weekend for auburn they were kind of in a look ahead spot to this game right i mean they struggled in san jose state and uh, I don't know if that's indicative of their program right now, or just, again, they have a huge matchup with Penn state coming to town and po- possibly wearing orange jerseys and mixing things up and whatnot. So um, I think these teams are, are pretty evenly matched, right? Um, Penn state obviously has gone on the road so far and taking care of business at Purdue offensively. I don't know how inspiring they are at times, um, especially with the quarterback situation they have their offensive line still kind of working through a lot of things over the years. You know, that was a strength of theirs. Hasn't been so much. They haven't run the ball terribly well. Passport did terribly well, but defensively they're kind of doing enough to, to make it work. And in Auburn, I feel like sort of in that same boat right now where offensively they wish they were able to do a little bit more, um, uh, especially kind of big, big plays and and finding ways to, to create explosive plays and defensively, uh, they're they're doing enough to you know to to keep these games. You know, San Jose State scored for what, 16 points, uh, so they feel to me like sort of the same team. I don't know how how they feel to you, um, and I kind of lean toward the home team in that matchup. I watch a lot of Big Ten football, uh, and I've been really aching to see when Penn State was going to have the sort of identity that I thought they might have 2019 when they made the Cotton Bowl and absolutely destroyed Memphis in that season, and I. Saw one thing checked off the box here. I'm going to I'm gonna do the Jimmy Breslin right now. Jimmy Breslin okay. once said, if you don't toot your own horn, there is no music. I told folks that Nick Singleton was going to be this year what Travion Henderson was last year in the Big Ten, and he showed up against Ohio. He went for 179 rush yards on 10 rushes and became the first Penn State tailback to rush for more than 100 yards since November 2020. It had been that long at Penn State since they had a tailback that could do that. And I thought this was the best comp to Saquon Barkley that they have had there since Saquon was drafted. And he's just as strong. He's just as lethal national Gatorade player of the year. And then you have a defense that I don't think is bad. Like quite as kept Manny Diaz's secondary has been outstanding. They have 25 pass breakups. They had nine against Ohio. I understand it's Ohio nine still a lot for me. I think if the Penn state team that I think, they are capable of being shows up to Auburn and turns this into a rock fight. Penn state can win that sort of football game. That's yeah. what they ended up doing against Purdue. They turned it into a rock fight. And if that's what you have to do to go win, then do that and yeah. continue to be Penn state football. It's just the, the Barkley Singleton comp is good because the offensive lines are exactly the same, right? I mean, look, look at yards before contact, right? So 
that that's a, just a kind of a metric to tell you, oh, is the offensive line doing their job? Are they giving you opportunity to oh, to run through open holes? And the answer is no. One point six yards before contact. I mean, if you're a good team in college football, you're maybe at at uh, three, three and a half, four, something like that. Um, so you know, I just I, I again, they're able to run the ball with their running back being really good, but. I worry against an Auburn team that, that has a stout defense if that's enough. And, and, and you know, can, again, can they rely on – Clifford did it at Purdue, so I got to give him his attaboys for that, right? He was able to come through in the clutch there, but it's going to come down to, to a couple of throws from, from Clifford on the road. So I think same same way Auburn will look at this game as well. Um, can Clifford do that? He did against Purdue. Uh, can he do that here? It's a very good question to ask because against Purdue, we also saw him get knocked out for a little bit. And then we got to see uh, Drew Alar come in and absolutely throw rifles for passes. And we see the future is very bright for Penn State in that situation. But I'm really interested to see what Sean Clifford does here because this is the first time he's had the same offensive coordinator for two consecutive years. Yeah. Mike Yersich was outstanding at Oklahoma State. He's pretty doggone good at, at Ohio State. Now I think he's going to have them in a position to succeed on the Auburn side. Do you need more out of TJ Finley, their quarterback, transferred in from LSU? Or do you need more from Tank Bisbee? Or as you put it, good defense, right? Owen Papo, it's the linebacker leading that defense. Which one of those players, Owen Papo, Tank Bisbee, or TJ Finley, do you think needs to have the best game for Auburn to win its game against Penn State? I mean, it's got to be Finley, right? I mean, he only has 34 pass attempts so far this season. Right. In two games, which is not a lot. It's, his air yards per attempt is Four points adjusted areas, 4.7. Like, that's abysmal, especially in college football. I mean, that's got to be higher than that. One touchdown. I'm not so worried about that. But three interceptions so far against Mercer and San Jose State. It's got to be him, right? I mean, you know, Tank, Tank's played well. He's at almost seven yards of carry. He's done his job. But in a game where I imagine Penn State's going to say, look, we're going to shut down the run and force you to beat us, he's got to be that guy. He's just he's just got to do it. And they, they don't ask him to do a lot. Again, as I mentioned, 34 pass attempts, not a lot. And it, to me, it comes down, if you're asking me who's more important, it's got to be the quarterback in the spot. I really think that Joey Porter Jr. is going to have a lot to say about how good TJ Finley plays on Saturday. That would be what I think is the best defensive back so far for Penn State this year. I got to see him play outstanding football against Purdue uh, with a wide receiver core that I expect to be pretty good. If you can rush TJ Finley, you know that you can beat TJ Finley. The problem I see for them is what do they do when the plays break down? Because that is also a big man that is able to outrun most of the people that are chasing him. Fascinated to see what James Franklin looks like in his return to SEC country. Remember, he got to Penn State oh, yeah. and turned Vanderbilt into a winner. That, that, that's still one of the things that I find mind-boggling about his career path is that, no, I went to Vanderbilt and I won. That is why I'm the head coach at Penn State. Meanwhile, it feels like Brian Harson is in a very difficult position in which this is just a game that you have to win to be able to show the folks at Auburn that you're the right guy for this job. But again, I want to compare conferences here. Do you think that this game is a referendum on the strength of the Big Ten versus the SEC? Oh, um, I don't maybe. I mean, you kind of got upper middle tier programs here. Um, no, probably not. I mean, I think we judge a lot of this by the top of the conference, you know, in the end, right? And uh, these teams are not going to be the top of their conference, in my opinion. So it's probably not a referendum on, on either squad. 
um, as far as nationally speaking, obviously be great for one side to win for recruiting and, and kind of bragging rights. It, it doesn't have the same feel as like Utah, Florida, right? Where it felt like that just meant so much to Pac-12 conference um, that, you know, would have been nice to, to win that game. I don't feel that any fan of either conference will feel that way after this game. I want to push back, but just on this point of, I don't think Penn State can afford to, to lose this game because they play in the second best division in all of football in that Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State all ranked. Maryland is undefeated, right? Rutgers beat beat Boston College this year. I'm saying that it's going to be a terrible look for Penn State in particular, and perhaps even for that division and let alone the conference, if they drop a game to an Auburn team that I guess you and I would expect them to go perhaps six and six this year, and, yeah. and that would be a good season for them. So I, I, I am inclined to believe that this means more for – Auburn to win it and it could be that much more for Penn State to lose it so I would like to see both of those teams act as if that is the case all right that is going to do it for this week's spaces our college football weekly talk I am RJ Young he is Jeff Schwartz for the folks at Wendy's and Fox Sports we will see y'all same place same time next week deuces folks